Our second scripture this morning is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving Christ, at the beginning of this new year, as we return to your word, as we return to your table, nourish us. Nourish us and build us up so that we might live vital lives that bless the world you love. Amen. I think I've shared this before. The Benedictines have a saying for the start of each new year, always we begin again. It's lovely and it's true. Always we begin again. It offers a daily and a yearly reset. This week I stumbled onto a corollary of that. Yes, always we begin again. And then I heard this, every new beginning is always in the middle of what has already happened. As we begin a new year, it is indeed a fresh start, and that fresh start comes in the middle of things. It flows out of what has come before. Every new beginning enters into a world already in progress. The Gospel of Mark begins like that. It jumps right in. There is no wind-up. The Gospel of Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Jesus and then includes a little bit about his birth. Luke starts with an explanation. Here is why I'm writing all this down. And then there are stories of Jesus' birth that we all know so well. Mary's Magnificat, the angels, the shepherds, all of that. And John goes cosmic with that swirling. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not so with the Gospel of Mark. 
it dives right in. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and then the gospel takes off. One thing after another, it doesn't let up. Since we'll be spending a good bit of time this year in the Gospel of Mark, we should probably say something about its pace, about its tempo. The daughter of one of my friends, when she was about 11 or 12, she used to tell a story like this. You'd ask her how her day went, and she'd say, well, I woke up this morning, and then I had oatmeal for breakfast, and then mom drove me to school, and then I saw my best friend Sally, and then Sally told me what Susie said, and then our teacher, Mrs. Riley, told us to stop talking because it was time for math class, and then, as she told the story, every bit of it was significant, every moment filled with meaning, every moment charging right into the next. The Gospel of Mark is like that. It's even clearer in the Greek. There's this Greek word that Mark uses a good bit, agenito. We don't, we don't have a precise English equivalent for it, and it kind of gets lost. In the King James, it gets translated as, and it came to pass. You've heard that. And it came to pass. But it's more like, and then it happened. And then it happened. And then it happened. The story doesn't let up. We might call Mark the breathless gospel. It jumps right in, into the middle of things, and it doesn't relent. With our scripture this morning, the gospel of Mark enters into a world already in progress, and it is, as we have said, a particular world. The world of the gospel is a world of layered power over. It's an imperial world. There's empire and a puppet king Herod and corrupt local officials and co-opted religious authorities, layers of power over each seeking to extract all they can from the people. Theirs is a violent world. The Hebrew scriptures recount the violence of clashing empires. In the New Testament, it's the violence of an empire maintaining its grip on power. The so-called peace of the Pax Romana isn't really peace at all. It's the empire using violence to keep everyone in their place and to keep them quiet. And in the midst of all that, the institutions on which the people who have relied for help, especially the temple, the institutions that have defined them as a people, their institutions are crumbling and in peril. Depending on when we think this gospel was written, the temple, their temple, has either just been destroyed, flattened to the ground by the empire, or it is about to be. In so many ways, theirs is a world that needs interrupting. Now, often, the world of the Bible can feel strange to us. But what I just described might not feel entirely foreign. At least those dynamics of power over, particularly as we read this gospel in our world that in so many ways needs interrupting. Ours is a world of layered, interconnected power over. We know and name regularly the systems of oppression that work to harm and hurt, persistent systems of American racism, unjust economic systems driven by exploitation and extraction, all the systems that harm many 
for the benefit of the few. We know the violence of our world, the violence of all those systems I just named, of white supremacy, of American gun culture. We know the violence of empire at work to increase and maintain its power. War in Ukraine as the Cold War powers slug it out yet again, and the heartbreaking violence of Israel-Palestine. And here in these first days of 2024, the institutions we have turned to in the past, hoping to find a place to work for progress, those institutions are under assault. As we look back this weekend to the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol just three years ago, and as we look forward to this year, power over and white supremacy have clearly found their voice, and that voice is unapologetic. That voice has no regard for and disdains the rule of law. That voice has no regard for and disdains the promises of the United States Constitution, most notably the protection, the promise of equal protection of law. That voice has no regard for and disdains the very democratic and justice structures that undergird this nation. No regard for juries or judges or elections or election officials or the right of the people to speak and to vote our institutions are in very real peril. Ours is a world that in so many ways needs interrupting. In this morning's scripture, the gospel enters into and interrupts a world already in progress. And then it happened. John the Baptist appears in the desert. This wild and wooly figure appears wearing camel hair and a belt of animal hide. All that is to say, John the Baptist appears in the desert, a prophet standing in a long line of prophets, come to announce what God is doing in the world. Come to name the harm and hurt that God is bringing to an end once and for all. Come to proclaim the new thing that God is bringing to life in this moment. Before it does anything else, the gospel grounds its good news in the steadfast and faithful action of a God down throughout the generations. Stand here in these waters, in this moment, and prepare the way. Then John proclaims a baptism of repentance. He announces a turning, a turning from our old ways to a new way. And the people come, all the people, all the people in the city, all the people in the countryside, their world empties out and flows down to the river, all to become a part of this turning. And then it happened. Jesus comes. He comes from Nazareth in Galilee to the River Jordan to be baptized by John, and he enters into the waters. And then it happened, a voice from the heavens. As Jesus comes up out of the waters, the heavens are torn open, and the Spirit descends like a dove into Jesus. And a voice from the heavens says, This is my Son, my beloved one, in whom I am well pleased. Notice, that in the beginning of this breathless gospel, there is a grounding in God's saving, steadfast love down through the generations. There's an interrupting 
of a world already in progress and there is a turning, a turning toward this new day, a turning toward and into the new thing that God is doing in the world, the fresh presence of God tearing the heavens open, descending into Jesus and turning the world. And as the Gospel of Mark unfolds, we will see Jesus do just that, not only interrupting the world already in progress, but turning power on its head and bringing us along for the journey and the learning and the work, the journey into freedom and into life. It is a breathless gospel indeed. Maybe at the beginning, we should all take a breath, prepare the way. As we stand in the midst of our world in need of interrupting, maybe we should start with that grounding. And how fitting today that we remember and celebrate the sacraments, visible signs for us and in us of how God always shows up in the world. We gather today on Baptism of the Lord Sunday and we remember Jesus' baptism and our own. We remember Jesus entering into the waters and we remember that we enter into the troubled waters with Jesus and with him we rise again. Just as Jesus shares in our dying and we share in his, we share in his rising and in his living again and again and again. We ground ourselves in the awareness that we too are God's own beloved. We remember that in baptism we gather down at the waters in the community of everyone, in the community of all creation. And in that community, in the regular rhythm of life, we gather at this table for the sacrament of communion. In the midst of our troubled world, we gather again and again and we are nourished at Christ's own table. We experience the life of Christ poured out and into us, the bread of life sustaining us along the way. We experience the real presence of Christ, not only in the, the bread and the cup and the words we say, but in the experience of being together, one body, we experience the fresh presence of Christ pulsing in us. Gathered at this table, we glimpse that turning toward the world as it should be in Jesus Christ, the world as it is, and the world as it will be. In gathering at this table and at this font and in this body, we ground ourselves in God's steadfast saving love across the generations. And as we move into this new year, I invite us to do that again and again because we may need it. The good news of the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus interrupts a world already in progress and turns power on its head. And in his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus invites us to become a part of that turning. In this moment, the fresh presence of God grounded in God's steadfast love down through the generations coming to life in us. Jesus interrupts a world already in progress and turns power on its head and invites us into every bit of how God shows up in the world. That good news is jarring 
and jolting. And it will set the whole world free. 